Let's now turn our attention to the Word of God found in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 52, I'm going to begin at verse 13 and read through chapter 53. So Isaiah 52, verse 13, through Isaiah 53, verse 12. And this being the word of God, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah, uh, one of the great major prophets of the Old Testament. Let us now hear God through the prophet speaking to us even today. Hear now, dear people of God, your God. Verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were uh, astonished at the his visage was so marred, more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who had believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He had no form, no cleanliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of the many, and made intercession for the transgressors. May God bless 
his word. Yes, Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would bless this word, your word, God's word, to our hearts and to our minds. For we ask this in your precious name, once again being thankful to be able to come here and worship before you, protect us and strengthen us through your word. We ask in your name. Amen. Well, there's two questions here. And the one relates to the other. Both are applicable. Both must be answered correctly. And I'm speaking of the question that Isaiah posits in the first verse of chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The first question that is asked, who has believed our report? Well, the report of the prophets. The report that Isaiah just made to the people that were suffering Israel, suffering a prophecy, that to come they're going to suffer and they're going to suffer more at the hand of the enemy. But this is the report I'm giving you. This is the prophecy that God has given me to give to you. In uh, the previous chapter, for example, chapter 52, verse 9, verses 9 and 10, we read from the prophet, Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. So it's in trouble, right? It's, it's, it's wasted, it's, it's in ruins. He said, but uh, break forth in joy, sing, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord had comforted his people, he had redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord had made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Stemming from Jerusalem. This is a prophecy. Do you believe that people of God in Isaiah's day? And then the next question. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, God is revealing through his arm. He's making plain that what the prophet is saying, what he's reporting, his prophecy and the prophets. The prophecies of all the prophets prior, and in fact will come, that those who have the arm of the Lord revealed to them will believe the report. See how the two things work together. Who has believed the report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Whomever hath revealed to him through the arm of the Lord, will believe, will receive the report, will receive the prophecy. And the prophecy, as for example, I just said from Isaiah, for example, in chapter 52, verses 9 and 10, is that the Lord had made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Wow! That's beyond Israel. That's beyond Jerusalem. That's beyond Israel. Do you believe that? Well, the only way you're going to believe that is if the arm of the Lord has revealed it to you. Well, who is or what is the arm of the Lord? 
It's a decent question to ask. Who or what is the arm of the Lord? Now think of it this way. God from heaven reaches forth his arm and he pulls up men, women, boys and girls out of the mire and the clay of this earth, of their earthly existence, and he pulls them towards himself. He pulls them up with his arm. He pulls them towards himself, heavenward. How does he do that? Well, you don't have to go, but if you go to the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 to 38, in verse 38, the Apostle John quotes this very verse from Isaiah 53, verse 1. He quotes to the Jews. He says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah the prophet said this. And then he said, he adds this, that these Jews could not believe. They could not believe. Not that they just would not believe or simply did not believe. They could not believe. Why? They were not those to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed. They could not believe in Jesus Christ. The arm of the Lord was not revealed unto them. So they could not believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah come. Jesus Christ is that arm of the Lord, if you will, that reveals God's will. That reveals God's word. And the people that do not believe are people that do not believe in Jesus Christ, that do not believe in Jesus Christ because they ha- it hasn't been revealed to them. Jesus Christ has not been revealed to them. They do not understand who he is. They do not accept who or what he is. They have little to no understanding. They might have some intellectual understanding, but they really do not have a heart, mind, soul, spirit understanding of who Jesus is because if they did they would believe the report they would believe everything that the word of God says and they wouldn't compromise that word with the spirit of the day whatever day they're in and they certainly wouldn't ask men, women, boys and girls who are unbelievers who have not the arm of the Lord revealed to them and do not believe the report that's in the scripture, in the prophets and in the gospels and in the epistles, they would not ask, well, what should I do in order to further my life, better my life, better my existence? Why? Would a Christian, a person who has the arm of the Lord revealed to him, who believes the scriptures, go to the worldly and ask advice? And I'm not talking about advice in terms of how to fix your car or how to put up a door or a window or something like that. No, spiritual advice, hard advice. 
advice for life and living. Why would you go anywhere to whom to anyone else? Why or why? It, uh, it's upsetting that there are so many Christians, and I know, I know them as Christians. They're Christians, they are. But they're so compromised. They're so full of this world's advice and opinion. I think if you take a look at it, this whole thing about COVID has proven that that one thing. There should be no fear. No fear among us. God is with us. None. Be that as it may. It's not in this version. I have the King James Version. I don't know if it's in any version. Maybe. Maybe in your version. Verse. What does verse 1 say? Of chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? Okay, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, interpretation uh, of the Hebrew. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That may be what your version says. And to whom is the arm? But actually the Hebrew. And in the King James, it does point it out. The word Lord is all capitals. What's that mean? When you see it's all capitals... It's the name of God. So what this verse actually says in the Hebrew, translated into English so that we can understand it, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of Jehovah revealed? Now actually the word is Yahweh, but the Jews feared the Lord so greatly and revered him so much that he would not even pronounce his name so they use other syllables. And they put it to the consonants and it sounded out Jehovah because they feared the Lord so much they would not dare say the name Yahweh. That's his name. But whichever way, that's the name of of God, but Jehovah's fine. Because that's the syllables they put to the consonants, and that's the way it's pronounced in English, Jehovah. So, to whom is the arm of Jehovah, of Yahweh, of God himself revealed? Now, you know what the name Jehovah means? Or Yahweh, what does it mean? It means, I am. Who shall I send sent me? Moses said to God at the bush. God said, tell them, I am has sent you. I am. Not I was. Not I will be. Not I'm becoming. Or not I'm changing. Or evolving. Or growing. I am. That's the best way to explain who God is. I am. Which implies, of course, that I do not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am. 
never becoming. Which means not only that he doesn't change his mind, and he doesn't change his purpose, and he doesn't change his plan, he is almighty to perform it. He's the great I am. Nothing can resist his will. Now, what is the I am revealing through his arm, who is, for all practical purposes, Jesus Christ, as John points out, the people that the Jews could, the, the person that the Jews could not accept, but that we accept, who, who is Jesus? What does the name Jesus mean? The name Jesus means Jehovah salvation. So the arm of the of Jehovah reveals salvation. He reveals a savior. This is speaking of Messiah in the Old Testament, the anointed one of the new Jesus Christ, Christ the anointed one. The I am is revealing salvation to his people. He's revealing salvation not only to Israel, but to the nations, to the world. It's going to go out into all the world, he says. This is what is being said here in this first verse. Now, how does that work itself out? Well... There are those who believe and there are those who not believe. Those those who believe are the ones to whom the arm of the Lord or the arm of Jehovah, of God himself, the, the right hand man, if you will, has revealed salvation to a people. That means the I am, the one who doesn't change his mind, who doesn't change his plan or his purpose, has a people has promised that I will have a people for myself. The gates of hell will not resist. I will break through those gates and pull out of darkness, pull out of hellfire itself, a people, my people. Therefore, if you believe this, if you truly believe this, in your heart of hearts, with all your might and all your mind, you're a believer because the I am has revealed to you His salvation in Jesus Christ. That means that the day you were born. When is your birthday? What is the day of your birthday? Mine's the 26th of the day. When's yours? Way back in 1949, I was born. That day was appointed for me to be born. And it was determined in time that I would be saved. Because it's I am. He doesn't change. He doesn't modify plans based on my free will or my whatever, my work, my desire. God has appointed a time that I would be born and a time that I would believe in Jesus Christ. He's appointed a day of my salvation so that he can take me to be with him. The great I am, the great Jehovah. To Who has believed that report? That God will extend his kingdom throughout the world. He will extend his truth, his revelation to a people, not a people, but will become the people. 
to whom the arm of the Lord, the right-hand man, if you will, the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ, is revealed. And when he reveals Jehovah's message, Jehovah's plan, Jehovah's salvation, salvation from what? Sin, right? Death and all that. When he reveals that, they believe. The reason why I believe is because the arm of the Lord has been revealed to me, or the arm of the Lord revealed it to me. He revealed the truth of the gospel. That you are a sinner. That you are going to die for those sins because you cannot appease God through any works that you do. But if you believe in him, that he came to die for you, that he took your sins upon himself and nailed them to the cross, past, present, and future, so not a sin against you. You believe that? Then you're saved. The I am Jehovah himself, through the arm of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, has revealed this, that I am saved from the consequence of of sin, which is death, and eternal separation from God in hell, a place called hell. That he has saved me, and rather than sending me where I belong, because of my sin, and the wages of sin is, is death, and the death and the dying are going to be dying eternally in hell. He saved you from all that. And he has sort of reached out his arm from heaven, and he is pulling you towards himself. Day by day, week by week, month by month. Do you see progress in your life, dear Christian? Do not rely on past grace. That will thwart you. That will stunt your growth. That will make you uncomfortable and unhappy. And yes, in a sense, miserable. Do you see yourself growing, becoming more and more like Christ? In other words, do you feel the tug, the pull, heavenward in Christ Jesus in your life? Or are you still so stuck upon the things of this world, attached to whatever it is you're attached to in this world? God is saying here that I've reached out my arm and I'm drawing you towards myself. You feel it. You sense it. You see it. If not, check again. Check again. Check his word. Check if I'm not telling you the truth. That you and I should be coming more and more like him. Or are you still clinging to the things of this world? They mean so much to you. Your money. Your materials. Your homes. Whatever it is. Does it mean that much to you? That it's, it's thwarting your growth. Of course these things mean something. They have to mean something. You work hard for them. God's given you to them. You should take care of them. That's true. But they're not important compared to Christ. Compared to holiness and godliness. These things are nothing. 
They're dust. Specks of dust. They crumble through the dust. They're gone in just a little while. But not you. You're going to live forever. You're going to be given a new place. You're going to be living in a mansion. In a city. Not a dirty, filthy city like Pittsburgh or New York or any cities on earth. Some are nicer than others, but they're all dirty, filthy, noisy stuff. places. I was born and raised in the city. I know what a city is. And I've been to other cities, and they're just as dirty, filthy, noisy, and whatever. But this city, this city that God is drawing you towards, is a city whose builder and maker is God. That's the place I want to live. That's the place that the arm of the Lord has revealed through Jesus Christ, whose name means Jehovah's salvation. Jehovah's drawing me to that. The question asked by Isaiah is whether we believe what God says in his word. For example, and this is a scripture that uh, I, I know you, I know everyone here has heard this before and I think believes it. That God works all things together for good, right? To those who love him, to them that are called by him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that with your whole heart? doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what surrounds you. These things do not define your life, whatever it may be. Sickness, pain, setbacks, a job, a career, an adventure, a vacation, whatever it is. These things do not define your life. Some are pleasant, some are not pleasant. But God is using all these things to work together for his glory and your good. And that's what you have to see in everything that comes your way, especially the things that are not so pleasant. The things that are pleasant, you can say, thank you, Lord, and uh, I appreciate it. It gets easy. But the things that are not so pleasant, things that seem like setbacks, the things that, that... Go against us. Seems to be against us. They're not. The only thing against you is you. That is your sin. That's what goes against you. But God is for you. So not even your own self and your own self and your own sinfulness can go against you ultimately. God's going to use it for his glory and your salvation. And also, I may mention, the salvation of others. Because they see how you deal with it in prayer and in faith and in hope and in love. And it witnesses to them. And some 
Not all. But some who know you. And know your relationship with God. Will see that. And be blessed as well. Do you believe that? You, you sang this song before. At the opening of the worship service. It is well with my soul. Do you really believe that? It is well with my soul. No matter what is happening to me. Good or not so good. And you know the not so good is always more important to us than the good. That's the thing we remember the most. I mean, someone might do a thousand good things to us, does one bad thing, and that's what we remember against them, right? That's a shame on us, but that's what we do. Unless, of course, he murdered somebody you love or something like that. You never forget that. But, you know, someone makes a mistake. Someone does something, says the wrong thing to you. Or uh, does something that you don't like that, that really, you know, makes you cringe even. That's what you remember about. That person's been good to you a thousand times. But you're going to remember the one thing. That's not what Christians do. Or should do. We forgive. Maybe not able to forget so easily, but we can forgive. Should forgive. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Is it well with your soul then? Do you... Honestly, feel that way. Do you feel what you just sang a little while ago? It is well with my soul. No matter what, Lord, things can come against me. It's well with my soul. I'm at peace. Can you really say that? When things are on haywire in your life or in the life of the people you love, it's well with my soul, Lord. I know you're watching over me. I know you're watching over my, my son, my daughter, I know you have their best interests at heart. It's well with my soul. Even though things are helter-skelter. <clears throat> we must bear in mind that the arm of the Lord is revealed to us by God according to grace, right? Right? All is of grace. It was grace back then, in Isaiah's day, and it's, uh, it's grace today. Uh, in, the, in Isaiah's day, the Christ, the Messiah, was revealed to the people in types and shadows. Never clearly, never boldly, never up front and out in the open. It was all in types and shadows. They knew about Messiah. They knew about the forgiveness of sins through Messiah. They were reminded of it every time they sacrificed and took the blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. They, they knew, they understood that the promise of God is that they would be forgiven their sins, that their sins were covered by the blood. But they knew it wasn't the blood of bulls and goats. David said that in his psalm. It's not the blood of bulls and goats that satisfy God, but those bulls and goats of blood look forward to the day 
the, the, the one-for-all sacrifice that God would make through his son, Jesus Christ. They didn't quite understand that the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, the one that was despised, that had no comeliness, that had no good looks, that uh, that was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with group. They did not understand, I don't think Isaiah even understood, maybe, but I doubt it, that he understood that the suffering servant and Messiah are one and the same. They knew that the suffering servant was going to take away the sins. They just didn't know that it was Messiah. The same person. <clears throat> but they had the witness. And we today, brothers and sisters, of course, have the clear witness. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was here. And he did miracles. And he preached sermons like no one preached. And the greatest sermon in, ever preached, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, is, uh, is just so marvelous what, what he, the way he taught and what he said. He taught with authority. And, and his authority was backed up. His speech was backed up by miracles. That he was from God. That he was indeed the Son of God and the Son of Man. Perfect man and perfect God, of course. <clears throat> but we never saw him. We, we haven't seen these miracles. We read about them. We believe every single one is true. I don't believe the miracles that people talk about today. I don't think I believe any of them. But I do believe all the miracles that are in this book, in the Old Testament and in the New, every single one of them. Now that I believe because it's for my salvation. I don't have to believe in so-and-so's miracle that, you know, he heard the voice of Jesus say, Come on to me, and then he came on to him, and he was healed of all his sicknesses. And I don't necessarily believe that, but I do believe in every word here and every miracle here. That's what you have to believe in, right? I don't have to believe in any of your miracles. That's not salvation. This is. These miracles mean something. John, just read the Gospel of John. Every miracle that he talks about in John, in the Gospel of John, has a spiritual dimension to it, has a spiritual meaning. He didn't just heal the deaf to prove that he's God. Yeah, he did that. But he healed the deaf to show you that he heals us our hearing. He gives us hearing so that we can hear his word, his spirit speaking to us through his word. He healed the blind, not to just show, you know, I can heal, I'm better than any doctor, I can heal a blind man. That's not what he did. He healed the blind man to show us to, that he's fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. And Isaiah, the prophet said that when Messiah comes, there will be all these healings. He'll heal the he'll heal the sick. He'll heal the blind. He'll heal the dumb. He'll heal those that are that can't walk. They will leap for joy and all that stuff. Isaiah talks about that. He's fulfilling prophecy when he heals. And he's also showing us that he's healing our soul, so that he gives us eyes to see by which we can perceive the things of God. His healings weren't just to prove something. They were full of meaning. And that's why I don't believe in the miracles that people talk about today. I'm not saying God doesn't heal in inexplicable ways. I'm saying he does it before miracles. Signs and wonders. Spiritual messages printed out in a sign. In a wonder before the very eyes and ears of people. He's not doing that today. Because the word is complete. doesn't need to. You need to have faith, not sight. You need to walk by faith, not by sight. 
Yes, he does. All healings come from God. We just prayed for that person that God touched and heal cancer because no one else can. Only God can do it. But that's not the same as a sign and wonder in the Bible if that person is healed through our prayer. So don't give up praying for people. Praying for yourself for healing. He's answered your prayers. But it's not the same. That's all I'm saying. What I'm saying also is that we haven't seen him with our eyes, so we need to believe we need to believe this report. We need to believe Isaiah. We need to believe that salvation is of God. We need to believe that God's going to save not only the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. He's going to save you and me. He's going to save a people for himself. But the only way we can believe that report, the only way we can believe the report that's in Isaiah's prophecy and all the other reports and all the other prophecies and all the other reports made by Jesus himself when he was on earth and all the other reports that were in the epistles of Paul, Peter, and and such, the only way we can believe that is if the arm of the Lord has revealed it to us. If Christ Jesus, the right-hand man, so to speak, has revealed the report that's in this word in the prophets and the apostles. If he has revealed it. If I, brothers and sisters, if I for a moment thought that what I'm saying is not from God, that God did not reveal this, that God himself did not ordain me, God himself, not people, but God himself did not ordain me to bring the good news, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to present the scriptures to his precious people, I wouldn't be here. And I doubt if I'd have the strength at my age to be as enthusiastic and zealous and forthright and capable to string two coherent sentences together if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for his ordination. And I can tell you, a lot of people have come against me. Not just here but in other places, to bring me down. But I believe that God, I know, that God's behind this. It's not a man. Me? I'm a mouse. God. God is with us. God is speaking to you. The weak, frail, and from an earthly perspective, insignificant vessels like me. We sang before a hymn that we really should remember. It's based on the words of the psalm, Psalm 139, 14, that we read a little while ago, where it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. And the, and the versification for that is in the song that we sang, All that I am I owe to thee. Thy wisdom, Lord, has fashioned me. I give my maker thankful praise, whose wondrous works my soul amaze. Brothers and sisters, we really should hold on tightly to... Uh, the message of the psalmist and even that song, that that hymn, that psalm that we sang, that's awesome. That is an awesome. All that I am, I owe to thee. It's because God's right hand, 
his, his arm from heaven reaching down and pulling me out of the mire and the clay and towards himself, towards heaven, he has revealed himself to me in the Son. God has revealed himself to me in the Son, Jesus Christ. And because God has revealed himself to me, I believe. I believe everything he says. And again, I want to go back to the point that's all of grace. You see, dear people, if we're taught anything in this verse here and throughout the scripture, but in this verse here, who has believed the report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's all about God and what God is doing and what God can do and will do. It's not about you and it's not about me first. It's about what God does. God saves us. God sanctifies. God gives us his spirit. God reveals himself through his word. It's what God is doing. It's all of grace and none of us. We can take absolutely, positively, without doubt, no credit. No credit for our salvation whatsoever. Thanks be to God and Jesus Christ who has given us everything, who has revealed himself, God, Jehovah God, Yahweh, the great I am, the all-powerful, not ours, but the all-powerful I am, has revealed himself through his arm, Jesus Christ. And because he has revealed himself, I believe. And because he has revealed himself, and I believe his report in the prophets and the apostles, I'm going to heaven. And that's my home. And I'm going to have eternal life. I am going to become an immortal. As Paul talks about, we're going to put off the mortal and put on the immortal. We're going to put off the the corruptible and we're going to put on the incorruptible. Brothers and sisters, even now it's already begun. I know it sounds mysterious, and it is to some extent. Eternity, everlasting life has already begun. He's drawing us towards himself by his arm, by Jesus Christ. He's drawing us to himself. And we are going to live in that city whose foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By God's grace, we, we, we have his arm revealed to us. We look for that arm to come and save us fully and to bring us fully and everlast, into everlasting glory. Causing us to love God. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think of one other thing before you leave. And it is this. You know what we are called to do. We're called to love God, right? When we sin, what is that? Sin is hatred towards God. I know we don't word it that way when we sin, but that's what sin is. Sin is hatred to it. It's rebellion against God. It's saying that 
I want to be God too. That's what Adam and Eve did. They didn't believe God's report. God's report was that you are to partake of all the trees of the garden, but not this one. You'll partake of everything, but not but this one. He, uh, he said, you're not. But Satan came along and said, no, God doesn't want you to partake of that because he doesn't want you to become like he is, God. And they believed Satan's lie rather than believe God's report. That's what sin is. It's believing the lie. When we sin, we go it our way. We do it our way. We think it our way. We follow people that are going the, that way. We are believing the lie of Satan that we too are gods. Not only Jehovah, but we too are gods when we sin. God is saying, believe my report, my love for you. I'm the one that cares for you more than anyone or anything. And your life, your life, will be so much the better. Believe his report and not the lie of Satan. And thank him every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Lord, thank you. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your report is true. That's the report we are to believe in. That's the report that tells us about Jehovah, God, Yahweh, who has revealed himself through his arm, Jesus Christ. And we believe it all. Every word of it, Lord, we believe. The Bible in its entirety from Genesis to Revelation, we believe it all. And we pray thee, O Heavenly Father, that we will not stop believing it, come what may. And that we would reject the lie of Satan that tells us that we are as God. That we know best, even better than God does, as revealed in his word. May it never be the case with any of us. We pray in his name. Amen.